Welcome to another edition of Nerd Out, the security panel discussion where security experts and myself uh, get together and talk about the latest security incidents or trends. And, and I'm fortunate to be um, you know, joined today by our, our dear podcast partner, uh, Bridget Johnson. And yeah, I wish we were calling this together to talk about other things today, Bridget, but obviously over the weekend we had uh, the incident in Buffalo um, where we had an individual, an 18-year-old uh, man, uh, I guess if you can call him a man, an 18-year-old who came up to Buffalo, traveled about 200 miles and uh, went to a supermarket and, and carried out a hostile event on a predominantly Black neighborhood in a predominantly Black um, grocery area. So I wish we were meeting on better, you know, to discuss better things, Bridget, but otherwise, how are you? Uh, been busy <laughs> as many, uh, many folks in our field have been the past few days. Um, you know, it, it's, um, it's, 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 it's of course an unfortunate that events like this, um, precipitate sort of wake up calls for, for some, um, but you know, it, it is definitely an opportunity that, um, you know, we, we can't pass by as far as, um, you know, analyzing what went down in this situation and um, applying it to um, trying to stop the other extremists out there who, you know, may be directly inspired by this attack, who might, uh, you know, put it kind of in their, their laundry list of inspiration. Um, and those who, you know, may have already been in the planning or plotting stages and, and are thinking about going ahead now. Yeah, and, and you opened up with a lot of really good things there, because, and I want to touch on so many of them, because this case uh, is, is just kind of filled with a lot of the things that we've been talking about over the last couple of years, um, you know, stemming from COVID isolation and stuff like that, uh, all the way up to, you know, at, you know, reverence to previous attackers, which again is a common theme that we've seen in some of these lone wolf attackers. Um, and again, looking at disinformation, misinformation, and how conspiracy theories um, and kind of the, going down those deep, dark rabbit holes of, of the internet can, can get you. And our, our good friend, you know, Joe Levy, um, you know, mentioned in this age of information we're actually you know not as smart as we we all think we would uh would like to be but um it's amazing how much the increase of information has created the disinformation part but let, let's uh, and you know when this event happened you know and we heard that there was a manifesto out there you know for me that's one of the great you know the great insights we have into these threats. And, and from a um, gate 15 perspective, we put together what we call the hostile events attack cycle. It's a seven-step process. I encourage you to go to our website, gate15.global, to read the white paper that we put out a year ago, which was an update to an earlier paper. But it, it really, what it does, and is exactly what you mentioned, is it, it takes case studies, it takes, takes previous incidents and really examines them and shows that whether or not they know it or not, these, these threat actors really do go through a cycle to prepare for uh, these type of attacks. And when you see a manifesto out there, um, it's really important to see and understand that. And so um, 
I'll full disclosure, Bridget was able to get a copy and, and she shared it with me the other day and it's just rife with so much information. So Bridget, you know, what's your, you know, your initial thoughts when you saw the event go down and, and take me through, you know, what spins through your head as a, you know, you know, extremist expert, you know, a terrorism expert, what goes through your head when you see this type of stuff happen? Well, the very first thing that went through my head was the El Paso shooting. Yeah. Um, and even as it was still unfolding, even as, you know, we didn't have a suspect named yet, um, just the, um, okay, so, you know, Boulder, of course, was a supermarket shooting, um, but that was, you know, less clear as far as what would a target demographic be here. Right. Um, you know, there were, it was more of a crime of opportunity, so to speak, you know, there were sitting ducks, so to speak, who are waiting in line at the pharmacy, waiting to get COVID shots. Um, and, you know, this is something that the, um, uh, you know, person who is kind of deemed to be sort of less than mentally fit in that, in that case, not, not legally, but, um, you know, that, that's, it's a different, different ballgame than, than, the, than what we're talking about here. Um, you know, as far as the, the Walmart shooting, you know, obviously you had uh, Walmart that was close to the border, um, a large uh, population who would come across the border to shop, um, as well as um, immigrant population who lived in the area. Um, and so that was, you know, one of the, the first concerns was the location of this uh, supermarket in Buffalo. Um, you know, it was, uh, you know, very apparent from, from the beginning that if, if it was not workplace violence, you know, there was another reason why this was being targeted. And um, then um, this is, this is a, one of those stories, too, where the suspect information, you know, really got out ahead of the news cycle. And a lot of that was being driven by... Um, you know, the, uh, the, the, the board where he said that he got, you know, found out information and got inspired, which is the 4chan Paul board. Um, and so that was one of the first places I looked uh, to see, you know, what was being said there and what was going on. Um, and um, there was, you know, a lot of early information that was being posted uh, about the manifesto, about um, discord messages that he left. Um, somebody had even taken uh, screenshots of his previous activity on Reddit um, and was, was posting some of those. Um, and it was the live streaming too, you know, he had the, the, yeah. the live streaming on Twitch. Yeah, yeah. And um, Twitch was um, quicker than Facebook was about getting Brent and Terrence down video, Terrence yeah. video down after he, he did when he was doing that. Um, but, um, you know, something doesn't have to be up on social media for long right. for it to be seized and for it to be saved and for it to be circulated. And um, there was the, the day after this particular massacre happened when you know one of my colleagues um 
asked me for a copy of, of the manifesto and I was trying to even to mail it to him and it was you know 180 page pdf so it was yeah. like it was not going through and then I just you know went onto a file sharing site and I put in a few search words and I found it and I just you know sent him the link and said okay you better grab this the sensors are going to get it soon but you can download a copy first and that's how it's going to be with this material. And this, uh, you know, Peyton Gendron, who um, identified himself in the manifesto and was arrested at the scene and, and charged with the murders, um, he was very well aware of this ecosystem. Um, you could tell, you know, from, from how he was writing and how he felt that, um, that, you know, his words would have some evergreen quality to them. Um, that there would be some lasting impact that he could make from the shooting. And um, because he knew that just as he was able to find and uh, easily find the manifesto and the video of the Christchurch killings, um, people will be able to find his. Yeah, so let, let's talk about that for a second, because I think that's a really important nugget and it's a really important thing for for organizations that really understand as they look at how these you know individuals think sometimes and and within the manifesto and you did a great piece in homeland security today I, I encourage everyone to go and look at it where you broke down the manifesto and really looked at the extensive planning and preparedness that went into that um, it'll definitely be something that we incorporate into our uh, hostile events attack cycle uh, webinars and, and materials moving forward. But he mentioned, you know, that, uh, you know, he got into extreme boredom back in May of 2020, which is really the height of the COVID restrictions and lockdowns. And, and we even mentioned it on the podcast during that time, we can go back and listen to those old pods and, and realize that, you know, that was one of our concerns about some of these individuals going down into that being bored and searching, you know, to the ends of the internet and, and latching on to conspiracy theories. Well, that's where he found, he said, Patrick, you know, um, uh, you know, four other fighters like uh, Brenton Taran and and Patrick Crucis and Anders Brevik and, and Dylan Roof and, and all those others. But that's where they seek inspiration from sometimes. And we've seen that within the incel community as well, where they really almost, you know, attach sainthood to, to these. Well, actually they do. They, they attach sainthood to some of their previous followers. So, you know, from, you know, from the manifesto and from your research and just in, in general, you know, how do you see, you know, that type of influence really that 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 really is a, a fundamental. Did you drop off? You're still there. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah sorry. I had a, I had a buzz. Yeah, it's a it's a fundamental criteria. Uh, for some of these actors, it, it's really a motivator. It's an influencer. I mean, don't you think? Well, I, definitely. And it's like the, um, I, I, I do feel though that the way that he phrased, I started browsing 4chan in May, 2020 after extreme boredom. Remember this was during the outbreak of COVID. I actually don't know how seriously to take that because he could have been throwing out a nugget to his audience, you know, bearing in mind that 
the 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 4chan people that he was hanging out with um were very anti-lockdown you know covid disbelievers no vax you know um and these these were also apparently the same sort of um information outlets that he was listening to too um so i'm not sure i mean him him phrasing it in such a way that um tries to place some blame on lockdowns um kind of makes me suspect that he's uh trying to throw a bit of meat out there oh that's Um, interesting that's that's an interesting look at it I, i had not considered that before yeah he just to, to me he just kind of states it so plainly like that you know i, I think that if um you know almost if, if there was more uh you know legitimate or, or or you know more of like um you know this was your catalyst for turning to 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 the dark side so to speak um you know obviously there are a lot of people who were in the lockdown who did not decide to become killers so um there's um it, it was just it was interesting for for him to 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 select those sort of words in the same breath in this manifesto in which he was throwing out a lot of other red meat um that that would have gone to a particular audience so maybe um, that's speak, that's speaking towards more of your what you believe he you knew he would have a lasting impact but very deliberate in his writing of the manifesto very conscious of the words everything that was being said and how it would be over analyzed and perhaps you know like me making those assumptions that they were there was a correlation when in fact it could be just helping spread and fuel some of that that's that's interesting yeah and and another aspect of kind of perhaps knowing that he would fuel something as well as I don't know if, know if you've seen um, this sort of undercurrent among some on Twitter right now who are claiming that this is a false flag operation. And as their evidence, they're saying that, well, look, you know, some sections of uh, the 180 page manifesto uh, were lifted from the 70 something page manifesto of Brent and Tarrant. Yeah, he was a fan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Um, he, he opened, you know, with a lot of those paragraphs about the quote unquote white genocide and, and, um, he used, um, the same questions from the Q and a that Brent and Tarrant used of saying, who am I and what am I, why am I doing this? Those type of questions, but he used mostly his own answers. Um, so, um, it's kind of clear that he, he the, the 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 sections that he did lift and, and why he lifted them um, were like a continuance of the narrative, um, fanboying, you know, I'm, this is his role model, so to speak, um, and trying to impress those words among the next possible person who might decide to do this. I, I would I would not be surprised if like the next manifesto after this attack, um, of course, you know, we don't wanna see one, but I would not be surprised if the next one also carries those same passages or some of them. But but he, 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 he may have been aware that, um, that uh, anti-government folks, conspiracy theorists, et cetera, would find enough to latch onto in this uh, manifesto as well. 
Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a great comment. It's a great great area of consideration. I think it's it's just shows to how the sophistication over the years continues to 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 grow on this front. Let's talk let's talk a little bit about, you know, the research and surveillance that went into this. Again, this is an individual who traveled 200 miles to a place for a very specific purpose. Um, he chose this purpose as you know, as noted in the manifesto. I think this has been well reported as well, but zip code 14208 in Buffalo is the highest black percentage that is close enough to where I live. You know, he also had some basic information about the guards and, and some basic information as well as, you know, starting to gather um, information about you know, body armor and, and things along those lines. He talked about making a map of the inside and, and talking about his best chance of success. And then even to the extent of going as far as to doing that, you know, hey, according to Google, you know, 4 p.m. on Friday is the best time to, to, to hit because it's the most populated time. So that really shows in our, in our heck cycle planning, you know, this is where we talked about online research, initial surveillance and stuff. He did a lot of work. I mean, he was, he was clearly thinking about this for some period of time. And I, I really want to stress that this is the most important part of the manifesto. Um, people ask, you know, why is it so long? Well, a big chunk of it is, you know, memes and, you know, um, racist posts you know that that you find online he's copying a lot of those you know some of it is the ideology that was espoused you know by tarrant um you know some of it is how he feels about blacks and jews etc um but you know once you get to um what page is this page 57 <laughs> when he finally gets around to um weapons equipment and mentality of the attacker and this is where he's you know, just sitting down and saying, you know, here, here's, you know, what I was planning. And this is actually um, what, what really, uh, you know, I kind of sat there after reading the manifesto and thought about it for a few hours. So I'm just like, you know, why is this impressing me as kind of one of the more dangerous white supremacist manifestos that I've seen? And it's because, it actually reads more like a white supremacist version of Al-Qaeda in the Arabian Peninsula's English language Inspire magazine. You had the parts and ideology, you had the, you know, analysis, narrative content that's centered on current events. Um, you know, you, you'll have re reprinting of stuff um, by people that, you know, they would consider scholars. Um, and but then when you start getting into the targeted pitch towards recruitment, the attack planning steps and the tactical equipment discussion, then you're getting into the more actionable part of Inspire. You could throw out like, you know, three quarters of an Inspire issue <laughs> as, you know, just not 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 something that's going to be of practical value to a terrorist when they're out there. Um, when they're uh, deciding, you know, whether they want to commit an attack, when they're choosing a target, when they're choosing weapons, and when they're um, thinking about uh, what time of day is best, um, you know, how, how they're going to conduct the attack, whether they're going to do it alone or with other people. Um, and, um, 
these bullet points that the Buffalo shooter throws out there um, is just really in that vein. You know, he puts out his goals first and foremost. He said he wants to kill as many blacks as possible, avoid dying and spread ideals. Um, and you can actually tie, you know, him not wanting to die in it with wanting to spread ideals. He wants to be around to, you know, be that kind of in his mind, a hero for this cause. Um, and even like states well, he, that he thinks that he might be like released someday if there's like a giant race war. But well, and if he's a fanboy of Tarrant, you know, Tarrant surrendered too. I mean, he, I mean, he didn't necessarily go down fighting. I mean, he didn't, he didn't throw his hands up and surrender. I mean, he was pulled over and, but he went without a fight. I mean, so right. if he's a fanboy there, then that's might be inspiration too. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, when, when he starts moving into, you know, what are my strategies for success? Um, he's thinking again, in terms of goals, he's just like, okay, I'm going to like try to maximize deaths, um, pick a high density, high populated area. Um, I'm going to pick a weapon that um, has, you know, good lethality and, you know, just be able to uh, work quickly, efficiently. Um, and, uh, and then he's talking about, you know, what are going to be his high level targets that he prioritizes first uh, in this case, you know, it was people of color and, and, and I should add here, you know, when you look at the video and, you know, and he jumps out of his car in the, the front of the store and, and starts shooting, some people have tried to argue that, um, since the, the first woman that he shot had light skin, I don't know what her race or race or ethnicity was, um, that, that, that meant that it wasn't a hate crime or, you know, targeted towards, blacks um but i i don't buy that argument because he jumped out of his car he was clearing the road for himself basically and that was the first person in his way so um but then you know once he got into the store um he seemed to think more about what are his priority targets in this case uh black people um and he did you know even talk about this um doing self-training and you know as we know that's been um critical for um, other streams of terrorism as well um to say that you know people can diy you know train yourself at home um and not have to travel to some sort of camp um in this case you know you didn't see mention of him feeling the need even to go to some sort of you know white supremacist training camp in Idaho or something like that right, um, right. And, and gain some of these skills. He admitted that he did not have military experience. So he's like, you know, if, if, if I don't uh, do well as you think I should have, yeah, that's, that's the, uh, the, the reason why there. Um, he is, um, uh, he, he, you know, talked a lot about what equipment that he would go in and that's like a very actually a very lengthy section in this manifesto as you saw was him talking about firearms and a uh, helmet body armor and um but it turned out that that body armor uh stopped the round that was fired from the security guard that would have neutralized the threat earlier in the attack and because that round did not 
injure him, he was able to return fire and unfortunately kill the security guard. So, um, so his, um, you know, so his, his planning in, in that regard, um, you know, we, we see how that played out. Um, but he also talks about, you know, which, which areas would he go in, you know, where um, he felt that he might be least likely to uh, encounter weapons, um, which, you know, in, 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 in this case, um, uh, you really don't know who's going to be carrying. <laughs> right. So, um, so I think that a lot of what he was talking about there was just kind of musing, you know, thinking, well, maybe because of this and this, you know, that there would be fewer people with guns in this area. Um, you know, he might've even thought that, um, you know, a lower income area, you know, wouldn't have as much disposable income to buy guns, et cetera. But, um, but then he wrote a lot about gun laws, you know, which is another sort of um, uh, trigger word, so to speak, um, that he knew would be kind of, you know, throwing some red, red meat out there for, for people to uh, amplify, basically. Um, and, you know, he, he talks a lot too about, you know, what kind of media coverage he would get from it. And, um, the, uh, you know, the more I think about this too, I think about the um, uh, Inspire Praise and Guide that Al-Qaeda did after the Boulder attack, um, even though it was not, you know, um, found out that, you know, that um, person who committed that crime was a terrorist, Al-Qaeda still wanted to take the incident and review it for the benefit of people who would be reading it and say, this is what he did well, this is what he could have done better. Um, and, you know, one of the things that they also really emphasized in that as well, along with the grocery store being a soft target with a lot of people in a crowded place where it could be hard for people to flee, is that it could get, um, is that, you know, there are things that you can do to amplify that coverage, like live streaming. Um, Al-Qaeda was, was stressing that, hey, you know, that's what Brent and Tarrant did in Christchurch. You guys can do it too, <laughs> you know, to, to get your attack out there in real time. Um, well, so. I, I think all, everything you're detailing here is like, this just shows you the extent that this, that this was going into and all the, the level of planning that, that was put into this effort. And yet still, you know, I think, you know, there was still the, you know, he still needed to be there a day or two before the attacks to like verify this information and, and, and to make sure that he was, you know, everything that he'd been reading online, everything that he'd been researching was as it was in real life. So I think that's an important part to call out. Is there anywhere that you saw on the manifesto that you know, he, he needed to, you know, you mentioned about the military training. He didn't have any, you know, military training, try to use that as an, you know, hey, don't be so, as you mentioned, you know, sorry if I make mistakes. But did you see anywhere where it looked like he was, you know, trying to compensate for some of that and say, well, I'm going to do some. Uh, I'm going to maybe do some, some, you know, training on the side here to get myself ready for that. Did you see any of that anywhere? 
Um, in the surveillance parts, or like, not, not necessarily, but even in the weapons firing and in you know getting ready for you know how he was going to respond to potential risks or threats at all. Yeah, I mean, he may not have been in the military, and you know, and he did admit that, but um, he was very much in love with guns, and in fact, that's apparently how he kind of wandered onto 4chan in the first place. Um, was um you know discussing weapons and that 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 was a lot of the um the posts from other social media sources that that people were sharing about him too was you know had to do with discussion about weapons and guns and and um so uh, you know he he definitely voiced a lot of confidence in himself in this manifesto of you know being able to choose um, the, the right, uh, the right weapon, um, you know, the right magazines, the, the, you know, as, as you put it, ammunition that causes enough ballistic damage to kill effectively. Um, and yeah, as I kind of, you know, said before, as far as like the, the, the red meat that he was throwing out, you know, he also used a lot, a lot of the word, you know, New York has cucked gun laws, you know, so it was using that, that language of, um, you know, just being derisive about them and talking about how, you know, the media loves to hate on the AR-15, which may increase media coverage and public outlash. But he does also talk about his body armor. He talks about the, um, uh, the, the, the car that he's going to use, um, how he's going to store his guns there, um in the video he has the um the, the 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 rifle um leaning against the passenger seat with the end of the barrel on, at the floorboard and so you know after he stops his car um you know he, he just grabs it really quickly and jumps out and starts firing um and um but the the, the one planning thing that confuses me a little bit is that uh, his mention of 4 p.m. on Friday as the most populated time to go there. And, you know, we now have witness reports of saying that uh, that he was there the previous day and that he was loitering around the store, um, that some people were talking to him, et cetera. Um, so and it, it, it brings to mind, you know, how much was he did he think that he was casing out the establishment? Um, did he um, start to feel uncomfortable in some way with his attack as far as, you know, what he might have seen as far as security, et cetera? Um, and in the, 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 the video um, that he did do of the attack, you see him pulling into the parking lot at the beginning and he actually like pulls like towards the back of the parking lot, you know, where there's a lot of empty spots and pulls into a space um, that's kind of facing uh, away from the store. And, but then he reverses right away and he just, and he says to himself, just gotta go for it. And that's when he drives to the front and. Um, yeah, I, I found that, I found that phrase to be, I found that phrase to be interesting. It just got to go for it. You know, almost like psyching himself up. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, so if, if, 
this was the day of the attack you know why did you go to the back of the parking lot and you know put your car in park and you know but then right. he and he then he psyched himself up and and drove to the front and, and started his attack but um yeah and you know he he moves from the the whole strategies section into talking about what is his plan of action even to the point where he says i will eat a large portion of corned beef hash for, for breakfast that day which i don't know how that fuels shootings but um and he's he's in, in this he was indicating that he would leave that same day from buffalo um and or, or sorry to, to travel to buffalo for his home and um but then he said that you know he that when he was going to arrive there he planned to go inside the store for um one more time before the shooting started just to make sure everything is as is as expected so um so he may have delayed it by a day because you know he might have been uh second guessing you know whether he would be able to inflict the kind of damage that he was hoping um you know there may have even been a different amount of security there on a friday as opposed to a saturday i don't know that um but you know there there, there just there could have been something that gave him pause um that on that 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 first day um that you know was was trying to put his mind that you know that he wanted to like wait for an ideal situation but then we saw in the video at the end he was just like ah, i just gotta go for it right right and and then and then once the attack is over i mean he there was plan him to where he had at least out that he was going to continue the attack moving down jefferson street i think is what he's, he mentioned uh and just shooting uh, black people as, as he would say it but um so it you know, it's not necessarily an escape. It's more of an, a continuation of the attack. Did, did he ever really mention, you know, you know, getting away with it or, or returning to, you know, running from the police or, or anything like that? Well, the, the way that he um, uh, planned his attack, he thought that he would be in the store for about four minutes. Um, he didn't talk about um, facing resistance from police at this point. I don't know if he thought that maybe there wouldn't be enough time for them for for them to respond before he could get out of the store. Um, but he was talking about getting his car, like you said, going south on Jefferson Avenue, um, taking out other guns that he had in the car and shooting at, at random black people on the street. Um, and he expected at this point, this time to pass some responding patrol officers. Um, but he, he said that he felt that he would be able to use all the weapons I have available to me to shoot at nearby blacks. Um, however you know he then went on to, to kind of say that you know well but maybe i'll hit another location and um he gave as an example walmart and you know saying that <clears throat> that he could possibly head there 
Um, and so I, I, I don't know like how, how well he planned it as far as, you know, almost kind of thinking that his uh, path of terror could be kind of inexhaustible on that day. Um, but, um, you know, but that's, that's also, you know, a common theme that you find in uh, terrorist home training materials is that um, if you can live to fight another day, if you can live to go out and find another target um, and turn it into, you know, spree crimes, then go for it. Yeah, this is just such an this interesting case. And I, I know the, the investigation is going to continue for many more days and weeks ahead. Um, I, I know there's been some references to some of his prior behaviors and prior activities, especially you know, uh, mental evaluation, talks of shooting, you know, wanting to go shoot up a graduation. Is there, and I know that cooperating. Um, have we learned anything more about, you know, what his family life may have been like where, you know, this, this was even a consideration? Is there anything more that, that may give us a little bit of additional information about who he was? Well, obviously it's, it's a great note that, you know, as, a 17 year old that he threatened shooting at, at, at the high school um and that you know he underwent a, a mental health evaluation at that time um but um as far as um you know from my understanding you know that the family is cooperating and and um there will obviously, you know, be more questions for them um, about, um, you know, did you have mental health indicators? Um, if this was the case, you know, was he still getting access to firearms? Um, and um, I, I think that, um, you know, ultimately when it comes down to, uh, extremist recruitment. Um, sometimes, you know, you just have to have somebody who is finding a sense of belonging or a sense of purpose in, um, you know, these, these different types of extremist movements. Um, I, I, I compare it actually a lot to, to gain recruitment. Um, you know, where somebody, um, you know, maybe be vulnerable of, you know, being recruited into, you know, gain for, for various reasons, you know, that can either um, be, um, you know, situ situational, um, that can be, um, you know, they, 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 they could be appealing to a person's economic needs, they could be appealing to um you know persons in this case you know ideology political beliefs um because you know something something was definitely happening before the point where um he discovered the brenton tarrant video and was you know had this sort of as he calls it an awakening um after reading the manifesto um 
you know, why did you have some sort of awakening after, you know, reading all of this drivel about how um, white genocide is happening and, and uh, you know, immigrants need to be gotten rid of and all the stuff that, that Tarrant was writing in his, in his thing. So, you know, you, you, you definitely want to look at, uh, you know, what the, the home environment was, who his friends were, who his friends weren't, you know, was he a loner in high school? Um, you know, was, was there, um, you know, a pattern of behavioral indicators leading up to this? Um, and, you know, when we do look at, you know, if there's a pattern of behavioral indicators leading up to um, an event like this, that, you know, also obviously brings into question, you know, at, at, at what point um, uh, does somebody who is underage have, you know, access to firearms from their family? Um, you know, if somebody has a pattern of, uh, concerns and interactions that that have to do with uh, potential shooting plans, um, you know, being able to legally purchase a weapon as he did. So, um, but um, yeah, so so there are there there are a lot of indicators that are, that are going to be looked into there. Yeah, and I think that's a probably a good part to kind of wrap up on here. And and I, I think, you know, one, I know you're exhausted. You've been probably on this probably 24 hours, 24 seven since, since it occurred. Uh, and, and I know you've been uh, very responsive to me. So I appreciate it. And I appreciate you hopping on here uh, to talk through this, because I think this is just really important. When you think about just what you summed up with is there's going to be a lot of indicators that we can pull out here. And I, I really think that for organizations, you have to look at these as hard as it is sometimes to read some of the information that comes out across there. You, you have to look at each of these and, and understand and assess, could those things happen to you and your organization? And it's, a, it's unfortunate across the board um, you know, obviously the victims here, the, the grocery store will be dealing with this, the survivors will be dealing with this for years to come and, and we'll be constantly reminded of it. And, and I think it's, it's important that as organizations, we take some of these lessons learned, we take some of these indicators and, and put it out there and, and try to improve our overall security awareness and understanding. Because I think if you do look back at it, again, going back through everything that Bridget talked about, there are windows of time. There are elements that if you're attuned to them and if you're looking and actively uh, aware, and we, and we talked about this with, with Joe last month on the podcast about situational awareness, you can identify some suspicious activities and, and maybe that's the difference um, by uh, you know disrupting or, or changing some of this. So Bridget, I really appreciate you coming on. I, I, you know, we, we'll forego the normal podcast routine of, of plug and promote and, or, or um, you know, some questions at the end to kind of lighten the mood because this really isn't really that time. But if you could end on a, just one thing about what you would, you know, say to organizations, I, I know I talked a little bit about it there, but what, what would be the one thing that you felt is most important for organizations to pull out of a, an event, a tragedy like this? Um, I would stress that this manifesto is dangerous. 
the reason why it is dangerous is because it is an 18 year old who is speaking to others in his demographic. Um, he is talking about a journey of hate, so to speak. Um, a journey of, you know, how he came to be, you know, this bored teenager during COVID to, um, to going out and planning, you know, as you said, with many, many, many steps, um, this, this horrendous crime. And, you know, yes, it's hard for people to find the manifesto and video right now, but I will tell you that with the Christchurch killer, the censors get tired of it. And you will eventually find, um, as you do now, with, with the, 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 the New Zealand killer, it's very easy to find the manifesto and the full video of him going into the, the two mosques and shooting them up um, online. And it will be just as easy for people to find the manifesto and the video of the Buffalo killer. Yeah, it, it, I, I love what you said there. You know, this is, this is dangerous because it is have far reaching impacts and this journey of hate. Uh, I mean, two really important concepts. I think those are really great things to, to end on. The, the, it, I think it's just really, you know, I really appreciate the time, Bridget. Um, and, and I really appreciate, as always, your work. You can see her on Homeland Security Today, or you can read her work on Homeland Security Today. She does a lot of webinars. She does a lot of, she helps me on this podcast, and, and we love her to death. But um, you know, such a great uh, source of, of um, reference for, for this type of material. So Bridget, thank you very much. Um, please get some rest and, and we know uh, we'll be coming back around here and, and, and pull it up for you um, in, in the next month or so. So thank you very much, Bridget. Thank you, Dave. I appreciate it. All right, and I'll just end on one last note. And just for, you know, please listen to the Bevy of Gate 15 podcast. We've got uh, Andy Jabor's Gate 15 interview, uh, where he interviews security experts from around the, the country and, and around the world. And he does a great job of pulling in great guests. We have Jennifer Lynn Walker's Cybersecurity Evangelist, where she recently got tagged in with Beer ISALs and, and really just shot up the charts uh, with that group. And she did a great podcast last month. And then you, you'll be able to hear us all on the risk round table where we get around uh, a virtual table and don't show our faces, but um, a virtual table to discuss security issues. So if you like what you hear, 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 or heard here, uh, please like and uh, share with others. And, and again, uh, really want to be able to promote Bridget and her work because it's just really great resource for, for materials. And with that, We'll bid you adieu. We'll talk next month and uh, be safe and, and please trust and verify all your sources. Have a great day. Just the